Well, it is my absolute privilege to have the opportunity to bring the word today. And I always want to thank Dave, my husband. Getting up here is, it's not easy for me, if I'm completely honest. It's a bit of a push and a challenge, but knowing I have his covering and his his blessing is always a bit of a, a bit of a relief for me. So I'm going to get up here and just do my best with with God's grace, and and we'll get through this. Um, This is the last Missions Sunday of 2022, and it's also the last Sunday that we'll be speaking on our fearless theme. We've had the theme of fearless all year long, and we've heard so many sermons and encouraging words on being fearless, having a a courageous culture in in the days that we've, we've been living in, in such a fearful world. How can we be fearless Christians? And I've really enjoyed it. Has anyone else enjoyed this theme of being fearless? I have. It's certainly helped me. So I just thought the Lord put on my heart today that I want to talk about being fearless with the Great Commission because this, this is Mission Sunday. I want to go back to the Great Commission. This is one of, I remember we spoke on the Great Commission quite a bit at the beginning of the year as well, I think it was. And, and how can we be fearless for the Great Commission? I think another way we can put it is, hang on a minute. I'm not very technical. Oh, I've got it on some weird, oh, here we go. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> another way to put it is, how can we have courageous commitment to the Great Commission? Because the Great Commission is something we need to be committed to. So as a refresher, what is the Great Commission? Uh, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, we hear the Great Commission from Jesus' words. And he says, and it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the Great Commission is the last command that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended up into heaven. And this command was not just for the disciples that he spoke to then and there. This command is for every disciple, every disciple since that point in time, throughout all history, to right now, to in the future. Every disciple of Jesus Christ, this command is for. His last command is our first priority, the Great Commission. His last command, our first priority. Um, Carl, if it's okay, I want to bring up a picture of a mountain. Um, Let's hear it is. Isn't that a beautiful mountain? I love looking at mountains. How many times, Dave, have I told you this year that I just love being, this is our first year in Canberra, driving out onto, is it Gungalan Drive? I don't know. As soon as we sort of leave Nichols and I don't know which one it is, but I can suddenly see the mountains. And I've never experienced that before. I used to live at the foot of the Blue Mountains, and I think I was a little bit too close to be able to appreciate how beautiful they are. But being able to see it from a distance and even seeing some snow on the top in winter was quite amazing. And I love looking at mountains. They just put me in awe of God's creation, and they just remind me of how giant God really is and how little we are. Mountains are really beautiful to look at. I can't say that I love to climb mountains. That's, that's a whole other story. I'm not much of a mountain. I know there are people out there who actually do enjoy climbing mountains. I'm not one of those people, but if you enjoy that, that's good, good for you. But mountain climbing, it, 
it's tough. There is such a struggle that comes with mountain climbing and it's hard to make it to the top of that mountain. Have you ever been in a situation that just feels like an impossible mountain to climb? Anyone? I have many, many times. It could be it could be that uni assignment. I know Dave had many, many times where he would sit in front of a blank screen of, of his computer and he's somehow got to come up with 5,000 words in the next week on some ridiculously boring topic that he's got to suddenly become extraordinarily passionate about and he's, what am I going to do? How do I do this? It, it seems impossible at the time. It could be something more serious. It could be a broken relationship with someone that just seems so impossible and God, I, I can't do this. This is just too hard. This is too hard for me to, to do on my own. It could be something of the mundane, everyday sort of thing. Uh, many times as a, a stay-at-home mum, I'm going about my day, taking care of the kids, and I look at my kitchen. It's a mountain. Something has happened. It's a disaster. And I don't, I, I literally feel overwhelmed looking at the mess that faces me every single day. That sometimes we have mountains, they're all different. It could be different for everyone, but we've all got something. I know for Dave and I, getting five children up, fed, dressed, out the door, and on time is almost impossible. We've only managed to do it a couple of times in our life. In Penrith, where before we moved here, on more than one occasion, we would show up to church thinking, you know, yes, we've made it. Our kids don't have shoes. They came to church with no shoes on. It they just became the normal thing. The kids' workers learnt, oh, they don't wear shoes to church because we were in such a rush to get everybody out the door that we didn't manage it. So we've all got things that are challenging, some very serious, some not, but there are challenges. And before I continue on to the Great Commission, I just want to pause here for a minute and encourage you that whatever mountain you are climbing or have been climbing or will climb, you're not alone. God is with you. He sees you and he sees your struggle. Psalm 139, and I, I want to read from the Living Bible Translation because I just, I read through this and I thought, I've read this psalm so many times, but to hear it put this way was so beautiful. O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit or stand. When far away, you know my every thought. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment, you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say before I say it. You both proceed and follow me and place your hand of blessing on my head. Isn't that beautiful? God sees you exactly where you're at on your mountain and he cares for you. So if you are climbing a mountain right now, remember that God both precedes you and follows you. He is before you. And he's behind you. That is beautiful, May. She's singing on the front row. Uh, He he has his hand upon you. He hems you in behind and before. and, And he carries you. And although sometimes we can't feel his presence, he is there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. There's a a real difference between feeling God's presence and knowing God's presence. Because many times we won't feel God's presence. Sometimes in the hardest of struggles, you feel so alone. But if you know his word, you know his presence is with you and you can hold on to that. Okay, so back to the Great Commission. This is the really exciting stuff now. 
So when Jesus gave the Great Commission to his disciples, he ascended up to heaven. I'll read from Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So we know that after the Great Commission, Jesus was taken up to heaven. He ascended back up into heaven and he is still there. He is still there. He's also here through his Holy Spirit. He's here with each and every one of us. His presence is with every Christian on the face of the planet. But God the Father and God the Son, we know they are, they are God in heaven. And the Bible is very clear about what Jesus is doing in heaven. There is scripture after scripture. I would encourage you to look this up if you would like to in your own time about Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father and he is on the throne at the right hand of the Father and he is ruling and he is reigning over everything and he is putting every enemy under his foot. That is what Jesus is doing because when he was on the earth and he died on the cross, and he took sin once and for all, and he took death and he defeated it. He took back the keys of life. He took back everything and all authority belongs to him. So he is on the throne, fully in control, ruling and reigning. Isn't that a comforting thought? As we obey the Great Commission to go into the world, to do what we're doing with missions, to to give, to meet needs and to share the gospel, to talk to our neighbour, to talk to our work colleague, to talk to our family, to bring the love of Jesus to people. As we obey the Great Commission, God's kingdom is being established on the earth. When we look around the world, when we look around us and we think of the Great Commission, the Great Commission could seem like an impossible mountain to climb. It could. If our perspective is not on God, and on his promises, if our perspective is on what's happening right now and the reports and this and this and all these scary things and all the dark and gloomy things that are happening, if that's our perspective, then the Great Commission could seem like an impossible mountain to climb. That mountain, do we still have it? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Carl. We might think the world is too evil. It's too far gone. It feels like things are getting worse. It feels like things are getting more perverse. Things are getting harder. And there's so many things to be afraid of. How can we go and and do, how can we be committed to this great commission when this world, this scary world is staring us in the face? But do you know that there is nothing, absolutely nothing happening on the earth right now that surprises God? Not one thing, not the worst thing you could think of. Not one thing surprises God. There is nothing that shakes him up. There's nothing that scares him. There's nothing new to God. None of it. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new to God. Psalm chapter 2. I want to read this and then I'll talk about it for a second. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. 
The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. You know, for thousands of years, there has been wickedness on the earth. For thousands of years, there have been wicked rulers who rise and and fall. There have been kingdoms that rise and fall. There has been sin and wickedness on the earth. None of that takes the Lord by surprise. There are rulers and people who shake their fists towards God and towards his people. The Lord told us there would be persecution. But the Bible teaches us that God laughs at them. As in, what are you? He knows. He loves them. Don't get me wrong. Their salvation is available to them. It's available to all. But when people choose to not want God and put their fist in his face and to laugh and mock him and to hurt and persecute his people, God is not afraid of them. He knows they're merely a breath. He knows they're merely a, we all are, a a blade of grass that grows one day and withers the next. We're nothing compared to God. He's almighty and he's powerful and there is nothing, absolutely nothing happening that has happened, that is happening, that could happen, that takes him by surprise. He is in total control. A key passage that goes hand in hand with the Great Commission. And I feel like in order to be confident in the Great Commission, you must have this passage. This is like the right-hand passage with the Great Commission. And that is the Lord's Prayer. And I'll just read the beginning of it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus teaches us this. All of the Bible is important, every single part of it. But when I hear something from Jesus... I'm paying attention, right? He says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. On the earth as it is in heaven. As Christians, we're not waiting to get to heaven for everything to be perfect one day. God has a will for this earth to reflect heaven. God has a will for this earth to reflect his glory. And we are part of that journey. He has a plan. He loves. He created this earth. He doesn't love the sin, but he loves each and every person. And he loves his creation. And his will for this earth is good. His will for this earth is not bad. God's will for this earth is good. The enemy's will is bad. But we know he doesn't win. We know in the long run, we know God has already won. And we know in the long run what will happen. We are to ask for God's kingdom to be established on the earth. What is God's kingdom? What does that look like? In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives us parable after parable after parable of examples of the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is like. I love this chapter. We hear about the the parable of the sower who sowed the seed and some of the seed fell on the rocky ground and some of it fell, fell with the thorns and some of it fell on good soil. We read about the leaven in the bread. I'm not much of a baker, but I do know that when I've added just the tiniest little bit of, of a yeast, suddenly it doubles and it triples. We, we read about these things and there's a lot of other examples, but the one I want to talk about is the parable of the mustard seed. And I'll read from verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. 
which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And I think we've got a picture of a mustard seed. There it is. I mean, that's a few mustard seeds. So just try to focus in on one, how tiny that little mustard seed is. And then can we have a, a look at the, the tree, the mustard tree, when it, when it comes up? It, there it is. Wow. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven being established on the earth, it starts like a mustard seed and it grows into this tree. You know what? Uh, I'm not much of a, uh, a tree person. I'm, I'm sorry to say I don't know details, but something that strikes me when I look at the mustard tree is just how full it is. It's so full, it's so wide, and it's so full of life, and it's so life-giving. The mustard seed, it starts small. The kingdom of heaven on earth started that small when Jesus was there with his disciples. And the Great Commission is what Jesus commanded us to do that takes that mustard seed and grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. It starts small, but it's so, so big. So it is with the kingdom of God. We may feel like our part to play is small. We might feel like, really, is my part that significant? But if each and every one of us do our part, we have a big impact. I've gotten ahead of myself. I talked way in front of my notes. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, it's easy to grow impatient. Maybe you're better than me, but I I struggle with patience. I know that my popcorn, I can take a a microwave popcorn packet and in one minute and 30 seconds, I've got hot popcorn. That's my expectation on life, basically. I feel like everything should be done that quick. My kids know, let's go, 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 go. This is, you know, let's get things done fast. And I think as Christians in our modern day Western world, we've got a bit of a microwave mentality sometimes when it comes to the principles of God. But God is patient. He is extremely patient. And we're not on our timeline. We're on his timeline. And so when we're waiting for things like this to happen, we may not see it in our lifetime. We might. We might. Well, it would be awesome if we did, but we might not. Because we're on God's timeline. Does that mean we give up? Does that mean we don't believe in it? We are not actually the centre of the universe. God is the one. He is the one who has the plan. He's had this plan since the garden. And he is in full control. And there is nothing that is going to stop it. So we need to be patient. I want to close with one more example of a mountain. If we can put this mountain up. Thank you so much, Carl. Uh, this, uh, it's, yeah, it's coming. Isn't that a pretty mountain? You can sort of see the, the river flowing to it. I want to talk about the mountain of the Lord because there is a mountain called the mountain of the Lord and this mountain represents what the kingdom of God looks like. And this is so beautiful. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, this is a prophecy and this is so true. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, on the the top of all the mountains, the mountain of the Lord, and shall, sorry, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, 
He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. This is the mountain of the Lord. This is the plan that God has for the earth. God has a good plan for this earth. He wants to fully redeem it. And he has. He's paid the price already. And he's given us authority to go out as his people. But we need to be patient and we need to be obedient and we need to be faithful to the Great Commission. The mountain of the Lord is the end result of the Great Commission. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. The nations will flow to it. The nations will flow to the mountain of the Lord. This is our hope as Christians. This is what we hold on to when we are staring evil right in the face. When we are looking at situations where we're like, God, what do we do with this? We hold on to the promises of God. We hold on to the truth of his word. We know his promises are true. We know he never fails. This is God's plan and nothing will stop it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the army of the Lord and what the Lord wants to do. It will take time. It has taken time and it will take more time, but it'll happen. God will establish it and he will see it through. So this is how we stay courageously committed to the Great Commission. This is how we live fearless in such a fearful world. We don't have to be afraid. We're the people of God and God has a good plan for each and every one of us. And God has a good plan for this world. Let's remember his plan. It's full of hope. It's full of his promises. It's full of his truth and his faithfulness. And our God will never fail us. Amen.